This is your host, Vernon Terrell, with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And welcome, and today I am not going solo. Today I have Scott Britton with me. Welcome, Scott. Good to be here. And Scott... Uh, was the president of Grace Ministries for many, many years. How many years? President, uh, 18 years. 18 years, but I'm with? Staff now, just about 38 years. 38 years, oh my goodness. And is now president emeritus of Grace Ministries International. And I thought it would be uh, a great idea to have a conversation around a topic that's getting a bit of play in some circles, and it's this idea of brokenness. And I think there may be a bit of a misunderstanding of brokenness. And Scott, have you heard some concern around this idea? Yeah, more so lately. It's, it's almost a fear mm. of brokenness. And, uh, and I understand it. There's, some, there's a healthy correction going on, which is good. Mm. But there's a danger that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I do love your intro there where it says walking free, because to me, if you really want to walk free, there is a aspect of brokenness you have to experience. What is the fear around this concept? I mean, why are we afraid of this word? Yeah, yeah, it's, it is because we've, we've defined man so much as we're evil, mm. and therefore we're bad and we need to be broken. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is God God crucified me, buried me, raised me up as a new creature, made me righteous and holy. And and so the fear is when we talk about brokenness, we're saying you have to be broken because you're evil, you're bad. Well, that's mm-hmm. a that's a mis, misconception of what salvation is. So that's mm-hmm. a healthy fear. That's a good th- a good correction that's going on. So this idea of broken brokenness, uh, the fear, and as some people define it, uh, they're saying, well, and if I came to you and said, well, Scott, does, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I believed, I'm a new creation, so are you saying God wants to break me? Actually, I would say God wants to free you. Mm. That's the better way, walking free. Mm. God wants to free you to be all that you were designed to be. That does involve a breaking of the confidence in the flesh. Mm. But he actually wants to free you. That's good news because uh, God's uniquely de- designed me, designed you, and it brings him the most pleasure when we are walking out that freedom, that uniqueness of our design. That's, that pleasures and, and encourages him, and it actually allows me to relax and be me. Mm. So this idea, I like that, that God wants to free us. Yes. God's not like, uh, God doesn't want to break me. He created me, the brand new me. He likes the new me. He wants to express the new you. And he wants to express the new me. And the issue is that I still have these old patterns uh, and old coping mechanisms that I hold on to sometimes for, quote, dear life. Yes. Because that's what I've known for so long. And it sounds like God 
in your definition, wants to free us by breaking some of those holds. Yeah, Philippians 3 uh, says that uh, if anybody could put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I far more. And then he describes what his flesh looked like. And that's what God wants to break, is that confidence in the flesh. Now, I'm going to go down a little rabbit trail. Mm -hmm. Not not really, but it's a rabbit trail a little bit. And I use the phrase sometimes that God wants to break my flesh. Mm. And people, um, people in the gray circles might balk at that a wee bit. Scripture does not use it like in Philippians. Scripture does not say where Paul says, um, if anybody could put confidence in my flesh. He doesn't use the word my flesh. But from, from a counseling perspective, what I have seen is if someone doesn't understand their particular brand of flesh and that's why I call it my flesh, then brokenness and Christ is life doesn't make as much sense. Because if they don't see what they've been trusting, then they don't understand what it means to trust Christ as life. Mm. And I totally agree with the concept of my flesh because in the little book I wrote on um, stop fighting, start living on um, this idea of temptation, James 1 says that everyone is tempted, tempted, when they're drawn away of their own lust uh, and desires. And this idea of having our own customized desires, and we, we can be drawn away from that and enticed yeah. based on some of those old patterns. It's still critical, though, to make sure we differentiate between, mm. all right, this is what my old coping mechanisms, my flesh looks like, but that is not me. Right. That's what I've learned growing up. That's what the society's taught me. That's what I learned from my parents. This is how I learned to control. That is still not me. Mm. My core is in spirit first, and that's a new creation. And then I'm uh, my soul, which is part of my heart, uh, is is a good thing that God wants to express. And my body's my body's slowly decaying, but it's not an evil thing either. It's and, the vessel. So to understand that distinction, okay, this flesh, I call my flesh, this flesh is what I've been trusting because I didn't know how to rest in and trust Christ's life. Mm, so when we talk about um, brokenness, and you used uh, Philippians where Paul says he doesn't put any confidence in the flesh. What does confidence in the flesh look like? How does that manifest? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it will vary from person to person. It will probably boil down to me trying to control. The, the flesh, whatever way it might look, it might be passive flesh, that can still be controlling. It might be just a, aggressive, uh, controlling flesh, and obviously that's controlling. It could be perfectionism, that's still controlling. I'm going to try to perform perfectly to make sure that I'm okay. That's a form of control. So confidence in the flesh is putting confidence in your ability to somehow try to control circumstances, other people, mm. yourself, or just circumstances. And <clears throat> we, all, we all tend to do that. When, when life looks scary, we want to go back to control it. Mm. It's, it controls a myth. Nobody has control except God himself. I mean, the president doesn't have control. We're seeing that pretty, mm -hmm. pretty much lately. But nobody really has control. But we think, maybe I can control this. That's putting confidence in my flesh. So the illusion of control yes. that we have, that we think we can control, and maybe to some degree 
uh, we see some type of limited success mm-hmm. in some areas, and that builds more of that false belief yeah. that we actually can. Yeah. But it, but if I'm in control, I cannot have intimacy with God. Mm. I cannot have intimacy with my wife or my kids or, or friends. Control subtly eliminates, sometimes not so subtle, but subtly eliminates intimacy with God because you're not going to experience him as life the way you were designed. We were never designed to be in control. We were never designed to walk by the flesh. We were designed to find life in Christ and experience that life and the intimacy with the Father. And so you have to give up control. You have to give up confidence in the flesh. And that, i.e., is part of the brokenness process when we see in in the counseling when when a person comes in or when couples come in they're you know if it's a couple they're trying to find out how do i make marriage work but they're subtly trying to control and not experiencing life not living life not experiencing the father in the love of christ and so they're trying to control themselves they're trying to control other people uh and it, it just doesn't work. It's not how we were designed. We were designed to live free and light in Christ. So this idea of brokenness, is God, is it, and I know the answer, I know what you're going to say, but some might be thinking, so is God like punishing me or <laughs> judging me because I'm not, you know, all I'm supposed to be in Christ? Yeah. Just the opposite. Mm. God's not punishing. That's that's done with. That the cross took care of all of that. All of our sins paid for. Our sinful spirit placed in Christ. We're new creations. God's not angry with us. Scripture tells us we've been saved from the wrath of God. Mm. And and so no, God is not angry. Not out punishing us. He is. I like the word. He's setting us free. Mm. Because anytime I'm trusting the flesh, I am not walking free. I'm free technically, but I'm not walking it. And so God is is endeavoring to set us free to walk the way we were we were designed. That's mm. and that's so critical is to to walk in the way you were designed. It's like driving your car. You put oil in the car. Well, why put oil? Why not put molasses in it? So, <laughs> you know. Well, the car is designed to run on oil, and that's we were designed to run on Christ as life. So. In the years that you've counseled couples and individuals, uh, what does, how have you seen brokenness manifested, I mean, in reality? Boy, there's so many different ways. In a marriage, uh, maybe I should just use my own life. Mm. <laughs> that might be easier to explain it. Because in, in our marriage, I was a, a good performer. I was... Athletic. I was in a National Honor Society. I won these different awards, both sports and a- academics. I got married. My wife, for some reason, didn't function the same way I functioned. Mm, <laughs> Surprise, yeah. And, and so without me realizing it, I was trying to change my wife into my image, mm. not into God's, because into, I thought this is the way life works. This is what I learned growing up. And I thought, this is the way life works. So I was subtly trying to conform her to my image, loving her the way I thought people should be loved. And But she's, she was different than I was, thankfully. Mm. <laughs> but and, and God began to show me I was trying to control not only myself but her. 
and making her into my image. And so God had to break that. And the very thing that I'm thinking will bring us life was actually killing her. God had to break that. So he, he had to break my, my concept of what made me acceptable. Because I thought you perform well, you're acceptable. Well, that's not what makes me acceptable. It's what Christ did on the cross that makes me acceptable. And so God had to break that confidence in my good performing and, and learn to accept my wife as the unique creation. And now to, now to help her and myself and our kids try to blossom into the fullness of who they truly are. Because when you can learn to rest in Christ, oh, it, there's this pressure that is released off your shoulders. There's this mentality now that I'm okay. Now I can discover, I call it a journey of discovery, of who I really am. We're all on that unique journey. And it's unique for me or my sons or my wife. Their journey is unique to them. Not putting confidence in the flesh, learning to rest how I was designed by putting confidence in Christ. I've got to dig just a little bit on that part of your story. What specifically, how does God, what does God use to break those? And I, I, I will not say the, the phrase to break us, yeah. but what does God use to break my dependency on this flesh? I mean, what did he use to, to, to really break you at that point as you're trying to say, make your wife and or your kids in your own image? What? How? Yeah. <laughs> for, for me, it, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, we're supposed to have devotions. And I'm just talking off the top of my head on this right. stuff. So yes. we're supposed to have devotions. So I tried to push family devotion. So that sounds spiritual. That sounds great, I doesn't it? I did that. Tried it. Yeah. Yeah. We got into more fights <laughs> from it. And uh. and so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going into ministry, so we should have uh, a, a, a immaculate house. So I, so <laughs> I put pressure on my wife to have it a certain way, and and it didn't work. And so the more I'm trying to do those things, you know, I, I I teach in church, and I thought, well, she should too, but that's not her calling. She's a teacher, but she loves to teach children. Mm. And and the more pressure I put onto her and on myself, the more it made her miserable. And and the more it made her miserable, then it, slowly, I hate to say this, slowly we we talked about the D word. Mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't use the word. My wife would, because she's miserable. Yes, been there. And 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 I was like, wait a minute. I mean, life is falling apart. I can't I can't even love my wife the way God tells me to love her. Mm. And I'm realizing the bankruptcy of my flesh. I'm realizing that not not my true identity bankruptcy, but the bankruptcy of the flesh, my flesh, mm-hmm. how I was trying to make life work. And and seeing that and and that's not just a one-time event. That that's a lifetime process. See, some people will say, "Let me stop you on that." Mm-hmm. That you're broken. You're good now. Yeah. No. <laughs> I I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> but any time the flesh crops its head up, trying to again think, I can control this one. Nope. Nope. And so, but you learn to cooperate with God, which is part of the freedom. Mm. When you begin to see, oh, I'm trying to take control again. Oh, I can release it. 
Uh, it's like, okay, not a problem now. I see I'm trying to put confidence back in the flesh. Nope, not going to go there because that'll put me in bondage, mm. put my wife in bondage. Romans chapter 7, verses um, 10 and 11. It says, And this commandment, which was to result in life, what? A commandment resulting in life? That's not what Galatians says. This commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. Mm. For sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and produced death in me. So what's the deception? The deception is if we can perform well enough, we'll have life. And that's what I was doing to my wife. I was thinking if we can do it this way, if we function this way, we'll have good marriage, we'll have good life, we'll be in good ministry. And it was killing her. Mm. And it was killing me too. So performance, commandments can never give life. Not how we were designed. Like in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were designed to simply draw life from God. And uh, But you, you get away from that, you're going to try to find life somewhere. You're going to try to find acceptance. You're going to try to find love. You're going to try to find security, worth, somewhere. We're, mm. we're, we're, we're driven by that. It's basic core needs we have. If you don't find it in Christ, you're going to try to find it somewhere according to the flesh. So it sounds like, and this is something I learned um, from a good friend, a uh, mentor back in the day, Ann Tripp, who uh, loved dearly, uh, yep, her and yep. Vincent and the family, uh, that uh, it's the trials that God will use, and especially in the context of relationship. It yep. seems that God really uses relationship um, in that breaking of the dependency on those flesh patterns. For me, it was relationships. Uh, it can be circumstances. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 9, uh, he says, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of the affliction we encountered in Asia. That means he's on a missionary journey. 2 Corinthians, so he's probably on his second or third missionary journey. He says how we were burdened excessively beyond strength insomuch that we despaired of life. Mm. Now, if somebody comes to me in counseling and says, I despair of life, I'm wondering, are they suicidal? Mm -hmm. Paul says we were burdened excessively beyond our strengths. Uh, we, uh, and we had the sentence of death within us. And then he makes this little statement, so that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now, when he means ourselves, he's owning his brand of flesh. Mm -hmm. He doesn't mean the real identity of Paul, but he's saying that I might not put confidence in my flesh, my coping mechanisms. And if you remember Paul's history, he, he's a performer. He's pretty he's strong. He's driven. He's driven. And he, and he and Barnabas got in a big argument over, the, over that whole issue. And then Paul goes on this second missionary journey, and God takes him through this process using circumstances. So that it's beyond his strength, he despairs of life. He feels like he's got a sentence of death within himself. So in that case, it was circumstances. For me, it was relationship, which circumstances too, but right, more but personal. God, but we can separate somewhat for discussion. Yes. There's circumstances and there's relationships. Yep. Um, physical illness. Yep, physical illness is part of it. Uh, you look at people, let's take, uh, you know, I love basketball. I played it till I was 62. That makes me at least 63. <laughs> uh, but um, Michael Jordan, if he is finding his self-worth, his identity, his life in basketball, well, he could probably still beat any of us, but he's not the best basketball player in the world anymore. Mm. And so if he's not finding life 
in something more than basketball, he's in trouble. And so we're all trying to find life, and we're designed to find it in Christ. And for a lot of us, say, in the working world, it could be our career, job, uh, our finances. Our children. For women, many times it's children. Mm. Our spouses. We make our spouses. We're trying to, I, I say it this way, we're trying to get life from our spouse, which is what happens in marriage counseling, instead of learning to share life with our spouse. So all of these ways that we've talked about, God allows those trials and troubles and circumstances and illnesses uh, for uh, a purpose. One of the purposes is to relinquish that dependence uh, on or anything that we're trying to squeeze life from. He says, that's not it. Yep. And part of the breaking is when that falls apart, now where do we turn? So what is the proper, if I could phrase it this way, what is the proper response uh, in this process of brokenness? How do you move through it? Like if you're in the relationship and things are rough and you're starting to realize, well, maybe it's not just her or him. Maybe it's me, which took a long time for me. It took longer than it should have because I was always the blame. It's like, well, if you were yeah. doing this in this way, life would be good. And that was self-protective flesh. Mm. Yeah. So what is the, how do you respond? How do you move through and come to the other side? Well, the statement you made of, of maybe it's not her, maybe it's me. That's part of brokenness right there. Turning the finger to back to yourself saying, maybe it's me. And I like to, if something's going on, I, I like to ask myself, Father, what's, what do I need to see in this? What do I need to learn in this? And then surrendering control, because again, control's a myth, but surrendering control of whatever, whatever that situation is, can I give God control? That means my, what I want might not happen. I mean, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 12, thorn in the flesh, God, please remove it. No, no, Paul. God, please remove it. No, Paul. God, third time here, please remove this thorn. And God says, no, Paul, let me explain. My grace is sufficient for you. Grace is his power, his mm-hmm. life, Christ's life. My grace is sufficient for you, for power, his power, is made perfect mm-hmm. in your weakness. So surrendering that control to God, embracing weakness, I can't fix my wife. I can't even fix myself apart from Christ. So surrendering that control uh, to God and, and embracing weakness. For a man, mm-hmm. that's hard. We, I mean, we, mm-hmm. women, women are more open to the idea of embracing weakness. But for them, it might be um, surrendering control. Mm-hmm. Men, if we're strong, we got control. So we hate the weakness idea. So, yeah, surrendering uh, and embracing my weakness... It's getting easier and easier. I say easier and easier. It's getting more obvious. Mm. Maybe that's a better word. More obvious yes. as I get older. Yes. <laughs> because I don't have the strength that I used to have. So more obvious. Maybe not easier. But yeah, embracing my weakness. And I, I can't fix my kids. I can't fix my grandkids. I can't fix my wife or myself. So realizing that and just being in this journey with God and letting Him live through me, be my strength, my peace, and letting Him be life in me. 
And, and then know, I can then I can be me. I can just be Scott because I'm the mm-hmm. best at being Scott Britton. Nobody can beat me at that. They can beat me at basketball. They can't beat me <laughs> at being Scott Britton. They'll never beat me at that. <laughs> I definitely would not want to try. And this idea, and, and we know that, yes, someone may say, well, hasn't God fixed us? Yes. God has already fixed us in Christ. It's all done. It's all we done. know that. But in terms of living it out and expressing that, there is, uh, there's work to do, and the work is a work of rest. Yep. That's the work. Rest and receive mm. what, what he has done. He has done all the work. You're right. It's, it's complete. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm loving. I'm kind. All the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of who I am in my spirit because of Christ in me. It's who I am. He's united himself with, uh, with, with me with Christ. And, and so I am all that I need to be already. I don't always realize it. I don't always believe it. So now I'm learning to catch up with what he's already done. Mm, that is so powerful. This idea, in fact, you, you used a word which we will not talk about on this particular episode, this idea of surrender. It's another mm-hmm. word it's that people are... catchword. Catchword people are questioning. Because it, it implies that there's an enemy, God, and I have to surrender to him. No, 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 no. So we use the word entrust. Mm-hmm him you know it's like a, a wife and a husband and a wife if a wife is surrendering to her husband because he's more powerful that's not really very meaningful to her or mm-hmm. to the husband if a wife is just surrendering herself and trusting herself to her husband who loves her more than life itself that surrender is very meaningful to her and to him so yes yeah, surrender is a buzzword too i am not surrendering to an enemy I'm yielding myself, I'm entrusting myself to the love of my Father. And it's like, I use the illustration, it's like if you're drowning in the ocean uh, and the lifeguard is coming to save you, uh, you have to surrender yourself to the lifeguard because all yep. of your movement and struggling is going to make things worse. Yep. And when you can surrender yourself to the loving hands of that lifeguard who is trying to give you life yep. and bring you to uh, to the shore. Sometimes that lifeguard. I was a lifeguard. Sometimes that lifeguard has to dunk you even more <laughs> to cause you How to give that? up, and he has to turn. If he's facing you, he has to go underwater, turn you around, and get up behind you so you can't fight him. Because wow. we want to be in control. That's what we're taught. Yes. In society, culture, wherever you are, we are taught control is somewhat universal. Yes. Oh, it absolutely. And I like how you really define when it comes to uh, that's the main issue is yeah. control. Yeah. All of, our, all of our flesh tries to control. It's a myth. So in the context of the marriage, and, and you've talked about it's, you know, our response, I, the word that goes through my mind is one of humility where we have to humble ourselves uh, and choose uh, humility. Uh, in that situation, if you're uh, in a, that argument and that in uh, in a relationship, and both sides are trying to control, somebody's got to give. And like you said, surrendering because one is more powerful isn't meaningful. Nope. But when you're surrendering control to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm just surrendering all of this. I can't squeeze life out of this relationship or out of what I think is the right way. I have to release that. It's really to him. Yes. And receive his life and trust that he's got 
this part of the journey? If it's a tug of war that a husband and wife are in there, three three options. You win the tug of war and you drag her through the mud, mm. through the mud hole. Or she wins the argument and drags you through the mud hole. There's always a winner and a loser there. Mm. But the other option is you drop the rope. Mm -hmm. Get out of the tug of war. And for my wife and myself, it's it's been helpful to, to learn I don't have to prove I'm right. Mm. I know I am. So, <laughs> But many times when I'm wrong, if I don't have to prove my point and I can just listen, it makes me smart. It makes me, it's like, oh, so this is what she's saying. If she doesn't have to prove her point and she can just listen, all of a sudden we become smarter because we're teamed together. Mm. And, and I don't have to win the argument because that's God's business. I can state my point, and I'm not saying drop the rope means that I just let her walk all over me. I'm saying I can state my point, and I don't have to win. Mm. That, that ends a lot of arguments because you don't have to win. I and what I've that. noticed with, with my wife and myself, when, when she can say something, my wife did this years ago, uh, and I've shared this before in seminars, uh, she would want me to put my arm around her all the time and, you know, in church and so on. I never saw my parents hug at all. So mm. my dad never put his arm around my mom. And, and I would just say to her, just let me love you my way. That made sense to me. Well, to her, what was meaningful was an arm around her shoulder. Well, one day after, after years, not years, but months at least of that going on, my wife said to me, Scott, the reason I like you to put my, your arm around me is because it makes me feel loved and cared for. Mm. Then she said, but if you can't do it, it's okay. Wow. Yeah, that was my wow. response. <laughs> wow. It's like, who is this woman? <laughs> All of a sudden, that drew out of me a desire to protect her and to meet her need. And God then said, Scott, you love Darlene, don't you? And I said, yeah, of course. And no audible voice, but I just sense God asking right. me. And he says, well, then why don't you learn what's meaningful to her rather than what's meaningful to you? Mm. It's like, oh, I never thought of that. Silly me. <laughs> wow. And, and so it's like, all right, I can begin to learn how to put my armor on. It's, it's awkward because, again, I never saw it, never did it. But... But now, yeah, I put my arm around her, not all the time, but so many times without even thinking now about it. But she dropped the rope. Mm. It, she shared what was meaningful to her. So it's not that she just was a doormat. She shared what was meaningful, and these, then she surrendered control. And it gave you the opportunity Absolutely. to choose love. Yes, yes. And that's, I mean, when you think about the overarching mandate from Jesus is uh, to love God and love one another. Yep. Yep. And you were, and we are now free to love. Yep. Uh, wow. And taking that, surrendering that control. Again, I use the word surrender mm -hmm. because I'm entrusting myself to the Father. That if my husband or my wife can't meet the need, I know God will be there for me. It's nice to have husbands and wives meeting each other's needs, mm. but I, I'm not God. I cannot meet all of my wife's needs, and she cannot meet all of my needs. But we're, we're le still learning. We're learning to share life with each other rather than try to get life from each other. What would you say to the individual that is struggling with um, bad habits, bad relationships? They're maybe in the midst of, uh, this, uh, of 
this brokenness or in the beginnings of it, they don't know what to do, what advice would you give them? How can they take some steps uh, of faith to move forward in the process? Uh, and obviously one would be, hey, call Grace Ministries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that is so obvious because part the uniqueness of our counseling, our discipleship, is that we want to draw them to finding life in Christ. Uh, secular counseling can help you understand the needs you have, but they cannot give you a foundation that understanding Christ's life will give you. Hmm. So the most obvious answer is, hey, call Grace Ministries or call your church if they teach the Christ's life and so on. Um, and and find and, and the nice thing is we now do video counseling, so we can counsel anybody around the world. And we do absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, that would be the first thing. Um, scripture's clear. If you need grace, God gives grace to the humble. Mm. Grace is the power of Christ in me. Grace isn't just unmerited favor; it's the power of Christ in me. And so. Brokenness, a humbleness, so that we can receive and and be free now, be freed to experience Christ's life. That's going to be a, a big key to it. Uh, books to read. You, know, you got different books to, to read. Um, uh, we got a little Grace Life Handbook that talks about brokenness. Uh, Grace Life Handbook One, Grace Life Handbook Two talks about brokenness. Um, there's podcast, and I'm yes. glad if you're listening, obviously, to the podcast. There's all kind of resources out there. The, and as Scott said, we want to encourage you to take a step, whatever that step would be for you. Um, for some of you, it's possible that uh, you're just now realizing that you are getting life or trying to get life from perhaps that other person, your spouse or that other significant other you're trying to extract life and you never will for some of you you are at your job you're working hard and you're getting the accolades and you're getting and you're just trying to get more life from the accolades and other people who come around you see them as threats and and those relationships go sour why it's because you're trying to get life and you're trying to control and god may be bringing that to your mind so you can release that to him. For some, you, you just can't do it alone. For most of us, uh, it's hard to do that alone. That's why Grace Ministry exists, is to help, is to walk with you in that process, whether it be through counseling, uh, whether it through, uh, be through perhaps our encounter, which is starting up. We keep it to a very small group, but that's starting up. It might be through a grace talk or a conference that we offer that could help you take that next step. I don't know what the step would be for you, but you've thought about it, you've talked about it, and as I say in uh, the tagline uh, on the podcast, it may be, and you pray about it, but it may be time for you to stop talking and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.